Hi, I'm Gavin Carlson, and this is Out of Bounds, Daily Bruin Sports Podcast. Chip Kelly's seat is on fire just in time for Rivalry Week. Hello, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Out of Bounds, the official sports podcast of the Daily Bruin. As always, I'm your host, Gavin Carlson, a fourth-year sports staff writer here at the Daily Bruin, and the football trio is in the studio. Joseph, Jack, how are we doing? Jack Nelson, fourth-year senior sports staff writer. How are you doing today, buddy? I'm doing great, Gavin. It's so great to be back with the trio. It feels like it's been so long since three of us have been together. My parents are just here this weekend. Shout out to them for flying out all the way from Massachusetts. So I'm excited to get going here. Let's get let's do this. Yes, and then Joseph, my boss, the sports editor of the Daily Bruin. How are you today? Football, 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 football. I don't know what the heck that was. This is a football podcast, despite the lost Lowest Dodgers. Yeah, it's the City Connect hoodie. Interesting. Um, we're talking football. Fitting sitting City Connect because we have a crosstown rivalry coming up. But before we talk about the big game between UCLA and USC, what the heck happened last Saturday? Um, UCLA against the worst team in the Pac-12, Arizona State. And as you all know, we don't need to give you a play-by-play of this one because you watched it. I'm sorry that you watched it because was that the worst football game you've ever seen in your life between Arizona State and UCLA? That's I think the- sitting there, sorry, I think sitting there watching it was like, shocking just kind of watching everything unfold because of how kind of ridiculous that game was and then after the fact you're reflecting on it you're like what did i just watch yeah because i think that was kind of the takeaway that you and i both had after the game yes because it was just it was a crazy football game but that was the pac-12 after dark weirdness that i wanted so i was i was pleased yeah we come in we came into the game jack and i on the last pod saying it was a must-win game we kind of didn't spend much time on the prediction um but who would have thought that our First episode when we both called the Arizona State upset ended up being right. Just Gavstradamus, Jack Stradamus, you know how we do it. Um, Chills. But let's talk about Chills. this game. Let's talk about this inexplicable, ridiculous, like you said, loss. Um, just kind of a crazy game. Kenny Dillingham uh, had like three plays, I think he called. Just put four offensive linemen on the sideline and then not even throw it to that side. Still throw it to the other side. Um, or just chuck the ball 80 yards down the field, 40 yards down the field, 60 yards down the field. And just get a PI call. Whether the receiver's looking at the quarterback or not, um, whether it's even a quarterback throwing the ball, just just throw it and see what happens. And they didn't do anything. They scored three points in the first half, but somehow that was enough because Chip Kelly, with his third string quarterback, Colin Schley, put up a goose egg and had booze um, going into the halftime locker room. We'll start with Jack because I was with Joseph in the press box. Jack, what were your thoughts when you saw Kenny Dillingham throwing four uh, offensive linemen on the sideline or just throwing? streaks the whole first half. What'd you think of that? Well, let me tell you, Gavin, Kenny Dillingham seems like he's a big Madden guy. Oh, yeah. He's got some Madden calls right up his sleeve, and he was he must have been laughing to himself on the sideline calling some of those plays the other night. Um, but, yeah, uh, I honestly had no clue what he was doing at the time, and I had to do this research later on, but apparently, because Arizona State was so depleted with starters, yeah. that basically what he was doing, he was moving his entire offensive line off to the sides. So that, of course, usually his defensive line had to move to that side and reduce pressure on the quarterback because yeah. they're so shorthanded at the quarterback position that he didn't want his quarterbacks to get pummeled all game long. Yeah. That was the reasoning for his madness. And it worked. Yeah. I mean, just for he context, football game. like he said, third string quarterback, Trenton Bourget. I think it's Bourget. Is that the pronoun? Yeah. I believe so. He's the, the starter. So right off the bat, this third string quarterback excuse for UCLA, not valid. They're going up against the third string quarterback. Then they have – their pseudo four-string quarterback, a running back, Cam Scadabo, throw the best pass of the game, a 25-yard touchdown, and then you have their 
like third string tight end Jalen Conyers as their fifth string quarterback throwing uh I don't know lame ducks he looked he like was going for the PI calls and it worked <laughs> at the he end of the game the it, PI did, calls. it did work at the end of the game um but we're being silly because this game was so silly and ridiculous but in all seriousness coming and this is just going to be an ASU recap a Chip Kelly update and then a preview of USC kind of do we in terms of the game you're playing the worst team in the Pac-12 you're coming off your worst loss of the season Chip Kelly, whether you read headlines or not, you know that people are calling for your job coming into this game. And your offense puts up zero points against Arizona State. Obviously, four first or three first, fourth down conversions failed. Um, you have a first and goal at the five, and that turns into a second down tush-push from the three-yard line yeah, for the, an inch. The second down tush-push was kind of great. Unbelievable. Strange call, strange call. From the three. And then, was, other than that, three handoffs to Carson Steele for about half a yard each carry, including a fourth and goal at the one stuff. Mm-hmm. Then you have a fourth and one from the ten. I think it was the nine. The nine, nine stuffed. Yeah. And then in the third quarter, you have a fourth and two or one. Yeah. Carson Steele again, stuffed. stuffed. Um, Josh Carlin, after the game, said the offensive line didn't, you know, get enough of a push, obviously, and on, on any of those plays. Chip Kelly said he took responsibility for the play call, and I just don't know how you – A lot you, of very candid quotes after the game. Yeah, because the state of the – yeah, we'll get into that. But what were your thoughts on all those fourth down calls? Just do you blame him for going, you know, simple? It's, it's kind of like we are better than Arizona State. We should be able to get a yard without having to do a play-action rollout flea flicker uh, four linemen on the side. Kenny Dillingham had to do that because he had the worst team. You have the better team. You should be able to run the ball for a yard. What, do you blame the play calling, the decision making, or is it just? I think the play I mean, calling was sound the first time it happened. Like the first fourth and one, okay, that's tough. You yeah, know, you didn't get the yard. Yeah. That happens. But then the second and third times it's happened, it's like take a field goal. Like it's a very close game. Just take seven or take three points, or at least change the call, right? Yeah, or yeah, run a different play. Yeah, chip yeah, after. Go ahead, yeah, go here's the thing, because like they ended up having seven points and. Three drives, all of those they didn't score, and any of them three consecutive drives in the first half, as yeah. you mentioned, three fourth and opportunities that they all failed to convert on. Yeah, um, and you only needed ten of those points to at least force overtime in the end game, I guess. Um, but also, it also comes down to the final drive for me. I mean, we have to talk about oh, of course the penalties. The penalties. Oh, they usually lost itself this game at many many different. It was only down but three at that drive. point. It was only down three, right? Yeah, because they were down ten seven. They just scored, and then it appeared their defense had gotten a stop on third and 14. Bourget yeah. rolls out, basically gets sacked, sacked for two yeah. yards, and then Grayson Murphy. Murphy commits an unsportsmanlike conduct after the play, 15 yards, automatic first down. Then, the on this three plays later, they heave a pass down For the field. 18th time. The it's 18th not like it was a surprise. Time. Wait, Arizona State threw the ball deep? They did that the whole game. And then, sure enough, Devin Kirkwood couldn't keep his hands off the receiver, gets called for P.I., and Arizona State goes down, scores, and that's the ball game. And then the running back, Cam Scadaboo, actually runs. How fitting that the running back who threw the best pass of the game also runs has the best run of the game. Um, I'm sure heads were rolling in UCLA's meeting rooms after the game. Or, oh, yeah. You know, on Sunday. Of course. Talking about those kinds of plays. Because those are the kinds of things that you just can't be doing in a game like that. A couple things before we transition from the game itself to big picture Chip Kelly. Because as of this recording, he's still the football coach of UCLA. Um, despite being asked about it this morning. And, you know, a um, couple last things. You talked about it's a low-scoring game. Defense blows it at the end. But can you really blame this defense for being frustrated? Because they've been the better unit all season, despite all this talk coming into every year about them being the liability. This unit's been the best unit all season. They hold Arizona State to three points. 
and they're losing at halftime. You're going into the locker room with booze after putting on your best first-half performance of the season, theoretically. Sure, you're going up against nothing. You're going up against Madden playbooks. But you hold a team at three points, and I, you're getting booed as you walk off the field. Whether, Even though the boos are obviously directed at the offense, you go into the locker room at halftime in a horrible situation despite having your best half. So the frustration, obviously you can't defend it. The, the Grayson Murphy penalty is ridiculous. But the frustration makes – and even the, the few misplays with Kirkwood and everything, you're going to make a mistake like at some point. And, and how much can you really blame the defense? I think yeah. I mean, the defense – couldn't adjust to what Kenny Dillingham was calling. And I think that probably goes back more to the defensive coaching staff than it does to the defensive players because I think they, like, when they come out in that swinging gate formation with four offensive linemen to one side, like, that's a very weird thing, and that's kind of hard to react to. And I just don't know if they ever really recovered from that. I think we asked Alex Johnson about it. Um, I don't remember exactly what it was that he said, but, you know, that just seems like the kind of thing that really catches you off guard, and if you don't figure it out, you're going to keep getting you know, hit on it all all game, and that seemed to be kind of what happened. Yeah, I think, like, for me, just this starts with last week when you re- really start to see the frustration boil over after Absolutely. the game, right? There were some words used yeah. by UCLA's defensive players, like disunified, divisive. Like, this team, it seems like they're at odds with each other. Yeah. Like obviously, I'm not trying to speculate on what the state of the chemistry is in locker sure. room or anything like that. But they told but us. They told us. To. Disunified. They told us. Right? They admit this team is not a whole. This team is not moving forward as a team, which it needs to do if it actually wants to win some games the rest of the season and actually end on a good note and not feel like this is a total disaster, which it already, in many respects, is a disaster. So Yeah. yeah. And I think that's a fitting way to transition to talking about big picture UCLA football, Chip Kelly. Obviously, I think before this game, People are calling for his job. After a shutout or a scoreless first quarter, people call. At halftime, there's booze. I, I have to say, UCLA, I, the, people have said some things, obviously, for years about lack of attendance, lack of energy. Around. There was more than 56,000 people at the Rose Bowl for a game against the worst team in the Pac-12 a week after the worst loss of the season. So, I was surprised. I was really surprised. I was surprised as well. Was and, it was and, a very lively Rose Bowl at the start of the game. I don't care if 3,000 of those fans were maybe elementary and high school students getting cheap tickets. I don't care if it's the last game of the year for most students because the only other home game is the Thanksgiving weekend game against Cal. It doesn't matter. There was more than 56,000 people in the Rose Bowl to watch a team that just had his worst performance of the season the week before, and you score zero points at, at halftime. It's 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 – there's no question that there's people calling for his job at halftime before the game even ends. Um, I think it's the most embarrassing loss in the Chip Kelly era. I mean, they, I know they lost the game to Oklahoma by like 50-plus points, but the state of the program was not great at that time, obviously. This team, it's year six, and you're losing to Arizona State. It's, it's unfathomable. Um, I think Jack wrote about it. I think the competition for, like, worse losses, that is this game, the Arizona game last year, the Fresno State game two years ago. Yeah. Um, Stanford the year before. Yeah, and the Stanford game. Um I think what it's, separates it's up there. what separates it though is the Fresno State game, especially DTR got hurt. DTR got hurt, and you're coming off this ultra high LSU win. Yeah. So it's like obviously that's mainly on the coaching that your team wasn't able to focus up and prepare for Fresno State, but like you're coming off the worst game of the season, and you're playing the. It couldn't have been an easier spot for your team. You're coming off the worst performance of the season. Your team is as focused as they're going to be coming off that game. And for you to lay an egg like they did, it's it's shocking. Um, let's talk about Chip Kelly. Um, Jack, Joseph, who wants to just like... Jack, you can start. Take it away. I've been going I'll, for He's still employed. Should he still be employed right now? So, no, he should not be employed with UCLA football right now. I'm shocked that he still is. I actually thought... I, I 
legitimately thought if they had lost this game, he was not going to make it until the morning after. I thought that mm-hmm. Drummond was going to give him the boot right after the game if he had lost, and I was surprised that I'm shocked that he's still employed with UCLA right now. Um, I mean, I've talked about it before. The whole reason for, or at least the justification for keeping him in the future was about the Big Ten having continuity, the coaching position, but you have to think about just the failure with recruiting, the just absolute inability to create offense, which him as one of the offensive geniuses in football that he supposedly is, has just, he's just, he's not what he once was, clearly. Um, and you have to look at the, like, the hard facts, right? Six years, UCLA, 33 and 3. No 33 and 33. 33 and 33, sorry. Okay. With no bowl wins, no Pac-12 championship appearances, and the three lowest attendance figures since the Rose Bowl first hosted UCLA. Yeah, I think, I and I've been beating the Chip Kelly won't get fired because of the Big Ten move drum for much of this season. Mm-hmm. But I think after that game, even I was like, he's either getting fired tomorrow, that being Sunday, uh, or he'll get fired at the end of the season. And I think the fact that he did not get fired um, in the lead-up to the rivalry game indicates that regardless of outcome for these last two games, uh, which I'll go on the record and I say I think they're losing both of them, um, we'll get to the previews. Yeah, uh, I think he'll probably get the uh, get the boot at some point after the season ends, like after the regular season, before whatever bowl game they end up in with their six wins. Yeah, I mean, I'm going to make my argument as to why he should have been fired yesterday. We're recording on Monday. Why I thought he was going to get fired yesterday. I thought he was, and as I think the I don't know is it fair to call me the biggest chip defender on this pod this year coming into the year? I don't know. I don't even know. I. After the Arizona game, I think most people were like, that might need to be it already. Just because of the context, you're playing against a former UCLA interim head coach that was considered for the job that's multiple years behind in terms of tenure at that program, and he's already passed, right? Chip Kelly's at UCLA. That's already enough of a red flag. But this this game, we said it coming into the game, this is a fireable offense if you lose this game. We literally said it, yeah. It's yeah. a fireable offense, because you're coming in knowing your job is on the brink of you, – you know you're on the hot seat. And for your team to come out that not prepared, uh, it, it's shocking. Here's my, my biggest reason as to why it should have been Sunday. Um, I, it, for me, it's the quarterback thing. I, it, I, I know we've been talking about it so much. And I know that Dante and Ethan were reportedly available in emergency situations, which – I interpret How is losing to Arizona State not an emergency situation. <laughs> How is after Colin Schley gets hurt not an emergency yeah. situation? I interpret that as I think Ethan was more injured than Dante throughout this week. Um, That's what it seemed like. Even yeah. when they yeah, were coming yeah, yeah. out of the games that they got hurt in, they seemed more or Ethan Garbers portrayed more injured. So the way I interpret that is Dante. Did they even ever say it was a concussion or no? I don't think we ever got any. The kind only of thing word. he told us is that they were a full go at one point in practice this week. So I yeah, think, yeah. You're a full go. So maybe Dante is a true freshman. He hasn't had the regular full week of preparation. It's a it's coaching malpractice on your fault that or on your point, whatever. It's coaching malpractice that your true freshman can't have two to three weeks or game or days in the week of practice and be ready to go against Arizona State. We don't need Dante should not need to have five practices at full go to be prepared to play the worst team in the Pac-12. Or to not even have to start, but to be able to be thrown in if your team has zero points at halftime and throw a quick screen to Logan Loya. He does not need five days to prep for that, to throw a quick quick screen. And this all comes back to, at the beginning of the season, this team, the argument for UCLA was they have the easiest schedule probably in the whole conference, right? 
So whether or not you have the solution at quarterback, whether or not a true freshman is ready for Utah and Oregon State, you have the easiest schedule. You need to do one of two things, in my opinion, coming into the season. You need to either threaten for the Pac-12 title game because your schedule is so weak, or the other argument with Chip Kelly is we want the continuity going in the Big Ten. You have a stud, five-star, true freshman quarterback. At the very least, at the end of the season, you better have a respectable record and know that Dante is the guy for next year. One of those two has to be done. And what do we have instead for UCLA football? Neither. We have Neither. a record. We have losses to Arizona and Arizona State and probably, like, is it fair to say the situation between Dante and Chip is probably worse than it was before he even played a game? I think it's just, I mean, it's so hard to gauge where they're at in terms of being hurt and, like, getting in that rhythm. But even before he got hurt, he was bad. Yeah, I mean, the state the state of everything is so messed up right now just because of how everything is shaken out this season between injuries and guys getting benched and guys getting starts yeah. and games lo- and games lost. There's so much disorganization, I think, in what's happening. And and I, the easiest way to get or to start solving that problem is you just fire that coach. Yeah, because and that's probably what's going to happen. In yeah. all likelihood. Your job, you're the offensive coordinator and coach. And I'll give you credit, Chip Kelly. You didn't do much with recruiting your whole tenure, but you stole the gem, Dante Moore, from a Pac-12 rival. That was your easily your your recruiting highlight of your tenure. Biggest I, move. Biggest move ever made. That's yeah. the biggest thing Chip Kelly has done since he's been here, which is why some people can make the argument that even if the season's out of full success, as long as Dante's playing a majority of the season and he's getting better – and you go, you know, eight wins maybe because of how weak the schedule is, and then you know we got Chip Kelly with Dante Moore going into our first year in the Big Ten. We'll put up a fight. We're not ever going to compete for, with or- uh, Ohio State and Michigan and maybe even Washington or Oregon, but we'll be competitive. The, the, the relationship between those two went back. I don't, we don't know anything about their relationship, but there's no way that Dante is feeling better now about being at a UCLA Bruin than he was at the beginning of the season when he said, I came to UCLA because Chip Kelly is an offensive mastermind. The the handling, you got to pick one or the other. Either you're competing and you're picking Garbers and then you better win, or you're semi-competing and you're planning for the future and you're going Dante. To have neither success, you're not prepared for next year, and you didn't even have a successful season. Fireable offense, you lose to the worst team in the conference with their third-string quarterback. You, you shouldn't be not, should not be the coach at UCLA on, on Monday morning. I will, I will say this just because we haven't mentioned it yet, but – um, something that, I don't know, maybe Martin Jarman's thinking about, if he's thinking about any way to kind of justify to keep Chip Kelly at this point, is that the whole buyout thing. I mean, right now, yeah. you fire him, it's an $8 million buyout, and after the season ends, it drops to $4 million. I will say um, one thing but, but, real quick. There's still yeah. some conflicting things about whether or not it goes from 8 to 4 right away, like a drop, or if it's um, slowly decreasing. We don't yeah, know for sure. Not, sorry, that's speculation. No, no, it's not speculation. Yeah. I think most people assumed – and. You know, there are known figures about the contract. But it, it, we some know of the it nitty is gritty details are a little more obscure. Yeah, we know it will be for I'll, in a month. I'll read from the Ben Bulch LA Times article. Kelly's buyout calls for him to receive eight and a half million if he's dismissed before December twenty twenty three, and four point two seven million if he's terminated before December twenty twenty four. We don't know when in December of twenty twenty three that rollover happens yeah. of the de- decrease in right, right. buyout. Yeah. So that yeah, it makes sense. We can keep going about that. Yeah, and argument. The, for perspective, like as I'm sure a lot of people saw, 
Texas A&M fired Jimbo Fisher a couple days ago, <laughs> yep. who was 44 and 25 at Texas A&M. Yep. He had a $76 million buyout. Which is insane. And they paid it. That's which just, is insane. That's such a crazy number for a buyout of a yeah. contract. But it, it says a lot about UCLA Athletics. We know their financial struggles. We know that if this is a reason that they're keeping, they're holding on a chip to save that little amount of million money. Dollars. But we also don't know if that's change. the reason. We don't. We, don't. we can't we don't say know. that it is the reason. I'm not saying it is. I'm saying if, it, oh, know, if it's possible, then that's another concern. Yes. That's a bigger concern. Right. And and, and real quick, and we're going to go to USC. If it's not the $4 million, is it we have to beat USC? Yeah, then what is it? If it's, uh, yeah. Is it's, it we have to beat USC, but then we're still going to fire him? Is it, oh, if we beat USC and win the you know, popcorn chip bowl, then we'll keep it. No, I think regard, like, I think we <laughs> all agree. Yeah, popcorn you know chip bowl. Pop tarts bowl this year. I just found that out the other day. Is that actually a thing? There's actually a pop tarts bowl. I love me some pop tarts. Um, chip Kelly. USC. Is, I, we all, I think we all agree that he could beat USC by 30 points this week. It wouldn't matter. And beat Cal by a hundred points and beat, uh, I don't even know, like Arizona or something. Well, they're not going to play a Pac-12 team, but beat some random team that's ranked 30th. By a hundred points in the bowl game, they're not cheap keeping him. It's done. He's done, right? So why is he still here? Why is he still here? That's, the, that's the question of the day. The that's the question. That's the question of the season now, isn't it? If it's four million dollars that's keeping him here, I think that's that says a lot about the the state of things. Because at this point, I don't know how much people donate, but in this day and age in college football, it's about keeping your fan base happy, keeping your fan base donating money to your NIL collectives so that you can go get players. We know this. This isn't a secret anymore. So whether or not it's you're missing out on $1 million worth of donations by keeping Chip Kelly, you're still – the state the, the, the fan base is the most angry easily it's been since he's been here. And I, that's why it, it, it annoyed me as someone who doesn't even root for the team or anything. For there to be 56-plus thousand people there and you put out that performance – it's an insult to those fans that he's still the coach of the team on Monday, in my opinion. What a it's, confusing performance. Yeah. What a confusing strange. game. We could, strange, we could talk about it from – I mean, even – yeah, triple option, Colin Schley. I think another thing real quick, Michigan beat Penn State this past weekend. Penn State had the number one rush defense in the country, and Michigan ran the ball 32 times in a row at one point. 32 times in a row at one really? point. Despite having, despite having J.J. McCarthy, a Heisman Trophy candidate – and going against the number one rush defense in the country, they ran the ball 32 times in a row and picked up a win at that environment. Because Jim Harbaugh wasn't allowed to be there. You can't run the ball. If you you have a third-string quarterback that you don't feel confident throwing the ball on, which is another thing, I'm sorry, this guy is not a 14-year-old. He's a college quarterback who threw the ball quite a bit at Kent State. Why are you scared to have him throw the ball more than five yards down the field at this point in the season? Maybe the first week or two, he's just a special – it's you had a week knowing it's probably Colin Schley, and you're telling me that you're not confident enough to have him throw the ball ten yards down the field. I'm sorry, and you're an offensive was... mastermind, and I think you're an offensive mastermind, but it's fading away, and this team is disunified as much as they could ever be to lose that game. The Chip Kelly shine is now like a matte yeah. color. It's not there. It's all gone. <laughs> yeah, it, yeah. Okay, we have to quickly transition now to USC because, like we said, he's that's, on the that's... hottest seat ever ahead of the biggest game of every season. Right? Yeah. Yeah. I mean, this is – they're going to the Coliseum. You lose by three points last year after that big, big win two years ago at the Coliseum. So first time back. But they win this game, they lose this game. doesn't make a difference. Is there any scenario where it makes a difference? Like I said, if they they 
score 42 points and win 42-32 and beat Caleb Williams, is that like, oh, Chip Kelly has a chance to stay here? If Dante has a fantastic game, does somehow start Dante and has a fantastic game, maybe we're I think that's the only it? argument because, like we're saying, like, the only argument yeah. of not having a successful season is knowing that you have this Chip Kelly-Dante partnership going into the Big Ten. Mm-hmm. But, I don't, but there's been nothing to indicate that that nothing. would be possible to happen. One game is not a good sample nothing. size. USC, I will say, I described this to Jack earlier that USC's defense versus UCLA's offense is a stoppable force versus a movable object. <laughs> and it's kind of the same thing on the opposite end where it's like UCLA's defense is like an unstoppable force, but, or an immovable. I'm getting my metaphor. It's all right. Up. This isn't physics class. You're Whatever. Okay, buddy. Yeah. UC, you, you UCLA's defense you is good. USC's offense is good. good. Both USC's defense and UCLA's offense are bad. Not good. Yes. So it's kind of weird. Let's jump into predictions then. Jack, who do you have? I've got 38-21 USC, um, which Ooh. is a probably pretty generous for UCLA's offense, considering <laughs> what we've seen these past few weeks. I'll say this much. Um, USC's defense, it's pretty horrid. I mean, yes, they fired Alex Grinch. Um, I guess just some numbers to kind of back it up a little bit. Um, this season, they've averaged 34.6, or they're allowing an average of 34.6 points per game. Over the past five games, which they've lost four of, they're averaging 43.8 points per game allowed, which yeah. is... A lot of points. I don't care who your defensive coordinator is. That really didn't really change that much last week against Oregon. And I think UCLA's offense clearly has to figure something out. I don't see why you can't put up multiple touchdowns against this USC defense. Um, but USC's offense is going to be too much to keep pace with. There's no question. I mean, this is Caleb Williams we're talking about here. Joseph? Uh, I've got 35-14 USC. <sighs> I have a bigger margin of loss than Jack does. Um, it's the same. I don't know. Watching... UCLA's offense, they put up seven on Arizona State at home. I don't know how that translates to putting up any more than no matter how bad USC's defense is. Uh, I think this uh, UCLA offense is suffering just from gross incompetency right now and an inability to get in the end zone. Uh, and I think that's going to play out no matter how bad USC's defense is, especially since you're going on the road. Like You know that stadium is going to be packed. You know it's going to be very loud with USC fans that want to beat their rival. That's how it's just going to shake out. Yeah, Um 17-point USC win, 21-point USC win, I believe. That's what you guys had. I have a 31-17 USC, of course. One thing to keep an eye on, if the defense has a stellar performance, if they hold Caleb Williams to 21 points or something, one of their lowest outcomes of the season, keep your eye out for Danton Lynn. Maybe he's applying for the UCLA head coaching job in this game if they have a solid performance. But other than that, we all have USC um, putting it down on UCLA this Saturday. Um, it should be an interesting game. It, it's always great. It's still one of the best rivalries in the West Coast, maybe in the entire country. That uniform combo is the greatest thing you will see. It's a great that, combo. That blue versus, blue versus red, the red is very it's good. beautiful. Um, hopefully the game is more entertaining than recent UCLA I've games. i begging for an actual entertaining <laughs> football game. I mean, Arizona State was just entertaining because it was weird. Wait, you don't like, like, you don't like push a- pushes from the three? You don't like that? Occasionally, but not to that extreme. We are not. <laughs> this is not the Philadelphia Eagles. This is... College football. Yeah. I will tush push us to the end of this episode. That was awful. Um, <laughs> um, that segues, baby. Yes. Worthy effort. Worthy effort. This was Out of Bounds. You can watch us on UCLA Daily Bruins YouTube channel. Um, you can listen on Spotify, SoundCloud, Apple Podcasts, and just about anywhere else where you can listen to podcasts. Um, so much content. So much content this week. DailyBruin.com. Please go. We have columns. We have previews. We have notebooks. There'll be a scouting report. You know there'll be a wrap. We will be at the game. There will be so much coverage. Also, basketball coverage, men's basketball, women's basketball. So please, dailybruin.com. We are grinding. Probably more than Chip Kelly. I'm just saying. Um, But thank you so much for watching and listening. 
Um, that was it for this episode. UCLA travels to the Coliseum. We'll see what happens. So long. Thank you. <laughs>